This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and your one-stop shop for optimizing all your office technology. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Is it caught? Is it caught? Oh my goodness, it's caught! DeAndre Hopkins caught it! He caught it for a touchdown! You've got to be joking me! Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Kyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the guys who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. Well, I'm not sure what our game plan looks like. There's really no excuse why it can't be the best game plan we've ever seen here on Cardinals Underground. Sort of like what Kyler Murray said about the game plan after it wasn't just beat L.A., it was beat down L.A. Cardinals coming off a win. In the stadium that will host the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 56, I believe, and I do believe as well that Cardinals look like a legit Super Bowl contender. Can I say that after one month and four games here on Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, Darren Urban scoffs. Felipe Corral Jr. wants to say something. I mean, just given how last year ended, I'm a little bit, you know, I hold off a little bit. This is the know? this is the man who said last week that that la- this Sunday game was a must win. It was won. a must win, exactly. But but how do you say that was a must win? And now you're going to be timid about talking. about I'm not going to say they're. I mean, Super you might Bowl as well contenders. just walk out on the on the game. Uh, it's just one of those things where I started having flashbacks of last year, how they started as one of the top offenses in the league, and then you know how that ended. So you know, it was it was a must win, in my opinion. They won. And let's just see how they they move forward. Unless your game plan, Felipe, is to be the contrarian. Is that your game plan no, from week not, to week here on Cardinals he Underground? He's sitting in Kyle's seat, so. <laughs> right. Mm, the only maybe. thing missing on the word. former seat. The only thing X-C. missing would be the words, I disagree. Because I can still hear the words, I disagree, ringing in my head from Kyle and all those years spent doing this podcast I mean, with someone who never agreed with the, virtually the, anything I said. The reality is, Paul, I mean – Felipe is right as much as that pains me to say. Wow! Wait, wait, wait! <laughs> um, uh, one more time! One more it's time! A little, there, it's a little early to be talking about Super Bowl contenders, uh, and there's a we, there's we, a lot that can go into that. We might want to start this podcast again. You want to do a take two, or should we keep rolling? <laughs> it's really too early for anyone to say the words. I'm, Felipe I'm just, is right. I'm discombobulated wow. by having that giant cartoon pash <laughs> over your head, Paul. So. <laughs> Yeah, you can't get away from it. No, it, I really It's ubiquitous. Can. The Dave Pash pod is ubiquitous. It's it's everywhere, including Dave's mug and glasses he really doesn't wear. How Dave end up with glasses? He doesn't wear glasses in real life. We should have a, a spelling bee. What'd you just yeah. say? I mean, Wolf U- should be wearing the glasses because he can't even read the menu. We go out to dinner. I can. T- I know he can't read the menu, <laughs> and so I literally have to recite the menu for him or tell him what's on the the board of specials <laughs> when you go out because he never brings his readers. He's in denial, dude. Bring your reading glasses. Uh, I, I learned well anyway. long ago that I better bring some kind of spectacles <laughs> or I'm not gonna be able That's to right. read crap. So it was so bad. How bad was it, Paulie Pencilneck? That. The Cardinals turn Rams fans into Dodger fans who are leaving basically in the seventh inning of that <laughs> win. You witnessed it, Darren. There yeah. they were. In fact, there were the Cardinal players. 
behind the Cardinals bench because, yeah, there were a lot of mouthy Rams fans who were giving the Cardinals players a hard time almost the entirety of the game until the game got out of hand late in the third quarter, and it was 37-13, and they started to leave, and then the Cardinals players turned around and said, where are you going? What? Are you, there's still a full quarter to play. Where are all you Rams fans going? You're not getting your money's worth. You don't want to leave now. Tough break for the L.A. fans. Yeah, so there they were off down the 101 and the 405. I, I it was uh, a really an amazing performance all the way around. Um, the the way I mean, there's so many things we can talk about, and then I'm sure we will talk about. But Kyler Murray at the level he's playing right now, the the way the run game has been effective, and obviously that was sledgehammered home with that last 94 yard drive. But you know the the defense the defense quietly had a, an unbelievable game. I mean, you're talking about going against a team that was having little problems offensively, and I don't, I don't think Stafford was officially sacked for the game. Um, no sacks. But they got enough pressure, and they certainly put him in bad positions. And what I really liked is, and sometimes this can come back to bite you, but I don't think it's going to come back to bite this team because of the offense they have. But they kept teams out of the end zone. Buda Baker said it after the game. Look. Our whole deal is we got to keep teams onto the end zone, and even if they drive the ball a little on us, if they if we keep onto the end zone with our offense, we're going to be okay. And they're right. And the the fact and and if you make them kick field goals, as we saw with the the Matt Gay miss at one point, I mean, for all the things that happened, I felt like that was like a double deflating play for the Rams. They thought they were driving to maybe get another touchdown. They stall. They kick, try to kick the field goal and they miss, coming off I believe a Cardinals field goal. And so not only did you not even up the points that not trade off points, but you fell behind and gave it back to Kyler Murray. I felt that was another moment where, you know, there was a little bit of a kick to the cradle for the Rams. And if you want deflating, how about double dog deflating would be third and 16 and Kyler running for 18. So, yeah, there were deflating moments all over. By the way, speaking of uh, being in pain and giving up points, uh, there were two people in pain on that Cardinals sideline. Number one, Byron Murphy. Man, did that dude grit his way through a rib injury. I mean, he he was grimacing and gritting his teeth, and I give him a lot of respect for getting through that game. The other guy was in a lot of pain, Vance Joseph at the very end when they got the garbage time touchdown. <laughs> Defensive coordinators don't like to give up easy, meaningless points at the very end because it hoses your overall – averages and all the metrics and everything they judge and grade your defense on. And when you give up a garbage time touchdown at the very end, I mean, there was a lot of anguish there from the defensive coordinator, and rightfully so, because it's moments like that that can make a difference, the infinitesimal decimal point difference at the end of the year, whether you're maybe number one, number five, or number 10 in the final defensive stats. Wouldn't 37 and 13 look better than 37 to 20? Just sure. from a from a sure. looking at the final score yep. perspective, See, I, I knew you were seemed, a mathematician for exactly. I mean, now See, we know. just subtraction. I learned that back in in college. <laughs> I think. <laughs> no, just kidding. But thirty-seven to the thirteen would have looked much better. But just a complete game from that defense. I mean, I know you talked about how they made Matthew Stafford uncomfortable, but just how many times did you see Jalen Thompson or Buda Baker get a you know, nasty hit on Cooper Cup. I mean, heading into this game, he was the leading, you know, receiver in the NFL. He had the most receiving yards heading into week four. And sometimes I just, I couldn't find Cooper Cup. 
You know, I know some of my friends had him in, on their fantasy teams, and they're asking me, oh, you know, why is Matthew Stafford so inaccurate when when he's throwing a Cooper Cup? Because you didn't necessarily see that in, in the first three weeks of the season. So the fact that they made him so uncomfortable, given that that uh, Byron Murphy was dealing with the injury and all the questions that they, they're always there's always around that secondary with Marco Wilson being the rookie. But just these first four weeks, that secondary has been impressive. I mean, impressive. They haven't necessarily given up a big game to any type of receiver. So, you know, that was one of my biggest takeaways. The headline I saw was empty cup. Five catches on 13 targets. Uh, Two words, one hyphen, non-factor. He wasn't a factor. It was sort of like Julio Jones and A.J. Brown. He just wasn't a factor. Derrick Henry in week one, there were a lot of similarities, I think, to the intensity and the urgency. Somebody used the word juice. Somebody went coach double rainbow and actually used the word juice and said it was a good it was good juice on that Cardinal sideline, and I can't disagree. I, I, I find it interesting. I know you love it when I bring up the mailbag, Paul. And uh, Here we go. Uh, somebody – there was a fan who made a good point this week, and it's it kind of struck me as like how the script – uh, script may have been a little bit flipped already when we sit here and but coming into the season, no Patrick Peterson, Malcolm Butler retires. What is this cornerback situation going to look like? What is the secondary going to look like? And now we're four games in, and, and I don't think anybody is sitting here and proclaiming it an end-all, be-all kind of secondary, but it does feel like, okay, you've already got the all-pro in Buda Baker. Jalen Thompson had one of his better games, I thought, at safety uh, in the Rams game. So you got a young safety there. You've clearly got a star in the making cornerback in Byron Murphy, in my opinion. And Marco Wilson is holding his own, and there's another young guy. And all of a sudden, you're starting to look at four starters in your secondary that are pretty young. Buddha's the the veteran uh, that are on reasonable contracts that are have a chance to be pretty good players. And uh, all of them would be draft picks, and all of a sudden you're thinking, okay, maybe maybe after all this it, it, it's going to turn out pretty well. The other headline I was thinking for Cooper Cup instead of empty cup was uh, cup of shut the hell up, you know, quoting <laughs> Ben Stiller from Happy Gilmore. I thought that would have been a good headline. A little more racy and edgy, but I thought that was uh, pretty good. considering I edgy when I think of you, Paul. All the accolades <laughs> that we heard coming in. But, yeah, I mean, Jalen Thompson – he was a high school star in SoCal in yeah. the L.A. area, and so he definitely came in with a mission. He had about a dozen family and friends that were at the Spiel box, and he was he came up after the game, and he was visiting with them. But just a couple of those hits he put on definitely set the tone. He confirmed as much with the media this week, said, heck, yeah, the physical play will resonate, and it'll there, make there a receiver think. There was a couple think. times where I was worried that, that was going to draw uh, a flag in today's NFL. Here's the other thing. Did you guys catch before the game? And we cited this on the air during the pregame show when there was a bit of a dust-up between the Rams and the Cardinals, and it was the Rams' tight ends were on the Cardinals' side of the field, and the Cardinals' safeties were telling them, no, get out of here, get on your side of the 50. And actually the officials luckily were actually on the field at that point and got in between the two groups of players. I did not hear about this. Paul. And so there, that was a thing that happened pregame, and to me, that was evidence that the Cardinals are ready to go, and, and, didn't, and they weren't going to take anything from the Rams, even in their home place. Didn't Buda Baker say in his huddle with the 
with the secondary that, you know, it got me hype. I'm mad. You know, if you need energy, just look at me. So I think that was probably their the Rams' biggest mistake heading into that game, you know, firing up that, that defense. And I think it resonated. Just imagine, you know, you're trying to warm up for a game and your rival's just standing around in, in your warm-up area. I couldn't imagine what Darren and Paul would have done back in their <laughs> playing days if they're warming up for their specific sport. Sure. And a rival comes up and just tries to, you know, warm up in your space. They're all up in your grill, you know, make you uncomfortable. I, I, I would say that maybe that was their, the Rams' second biggest mistake. I think their biggest mistake was taking the field against Kyler Murray, who's mm. – I mean, at this point, yeah. At this point, I don't know how you make anything out. I mean, it's just the game he had was just mentally crushing in so many ways for the Rams. I would think. Here's the best compliment I can pay Kyler Murray. He gets onto the team bus, and he's wearing his high school Letterman's jacket with the big A for Allen High School, right? Yep. He made that Rams defense look like a high school defense. He Ooh, looks. Uh, I like it. He looks like a player. Where it's that easy. He, it looks that easy for him all of a sudden here in year three that it looked like in some of his high school highlights. I wonder, this is just my curiosity, but we all know that on Monday night, the Chargers were at home against the Raiders. Uh, uh, and I know this because I was able to talk to these two gentlemen for my Kyler high school story last year. Um, there were three Allen NFL players uh, over those two days, and I wonder if Kyler hooked up with them potentially um, Saturday night or whatever it would have been because uh, Guyton, the receiver for the Chargers, was one of his receivers in high school. And there was an old lineman. And Evans, the offensive lineman for the Rams. There you go. Is uh, And they were hugging after the game. They all hmm. played on the same wow. Allen high school football team, wow. so maybe it's not that surprising that Allen was going undefeated all those times. But Because you know, Dan Orlowski, I think I saw the tweet, and uh, it said something along the lines of it was short and sweet. It said the growth – Kyler Murray is showing from the pocket is incredible and he put incredible in capitals and QB to QB people who know the position play the position that's what they're citing now with Kyler Murray it's his ability to dissect a defense from the pocket get through his reads I know we had this one stat on this week's game plan with Cliff Kingsbury and here it is we put this up on the big board guys here it is and uh, it shows pick your poison is the name of this stat and it's A.J. Green, Christian Kirk, DeAndre Hopkins, Rondell Moore, Max Williams, Chase Edmonds, all between 15 and 20 catches. If you would have said to me after four games DeAndre Hopkins would have the third most receiving yards and, what, the second most catches, you would have said this team is in deep duty. <laughs> that was last year. That was last and year. And that's the difference in this year's team. A.J. Green, the bomb to A.J. Green, all I could think of on that play was – if they can get him one-on-one, -on -one, I mean, he doesn't have to get separation. He's so big. I'm not going to call him a scarecrow on a stick or anything. but <laughs> Is that what Wolf called him? I had the headset on. I missed that. Is, did he really call him uh, that? Apparently so. And if he can get downfield and box out some 5'11 cornerback, I'm throwing it up to him every time. That was such a great play. A.J. Green has more career touchdown catches than DeAndre Hopkins, and you're calling him a scare, scarecrow well, on a I'm stick. I mean, that. what's going on? Do you guys think he's benefiting from DeAndre Hopkins? Of course. Of course, because, I mean, all the attention is over there. and then I mean, if you don't have DeAndre Hopkins, I would think, Felipe, you're, you would have shaded a safety over there in case he goes deep because you probably aren't going to put an extra guy on Christian Kirk or Rondale Moore, but DeAndre Hopkins is absolutely helping. And the funny thing is, and I don't know if you guys saw, but from because I was at the angle that I was at, because 
we had like the reverse Pash Wolf angle. They were in one end zone where I sat in the press box was basically the other ends in the corner of the end zone. Mm. So I saw a lot more of that kind of all 22 kind of feel from behind that Madden playing Madden kind of feel. <laughs> and you know what I'm talking about. Felipe. And uh, then DeAndre Hopkins was open a lot. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins could have easily had double digit catches in this game. Really? And it wasn't that Kyler was missing him and throwing bad passes. They had other guys open. But I, I feel like if, if he wanted to, DeAndre Hopkins was absolutely open enough to have double-digit catches. And if you watch the, the tape, maybe I'd have to look. I th- He had, what, five catches in the game? Five or six? Yes. Four. Well, maybe it was four. Maybe it was four with 67 yards, something like that. But he, he was open. And I wasn't thinking Kyler's making mistakes. I was thinking, oh, my gosh, this offense – is giving the way Kyler's running it and the way Cliff is having it and the way the number of weapons they have, there's just guys are open every play right now. I just think it's a combination of having, well, kudos to Steve Kime for adding A.J. Green and Rodney Hudson because I think that's been the biggest difference. I mean, when you can have about three seconds with a clean pocket without getting hit constantly and you're actively looking for a big play, the Cardinals lead the league in big plays. They have 17 of those, and when I say big plays, that's 25 yards or more. It's a combination of having those two guys. I mean, when Rodney Hudson can give you an extra second or half a second I mean that makes the biggest difference and then when you have Kyler Murray uh, staying patient in the pocket and looking going through his progressions if Hop's not open he can look to Kirk if Kirk's not open he can look to, look to Green just a, a, a combination of having all those weapons and not, not even to mention Max Williams and the ability of Cliff Kingsbury to include them in their game plan. I yeah. mean, at that point, going back to that paper, if you want to make that noise, oh, yeah. <laughs> right here. Right here. <laughs> when you have all those guys on that offensive <laughs> side, I mean, it's a truly a pick your poison type of thing. I, I think guys, and, and I'm curious to both of your uh, opinions on this. You know, we came into the season. Obviously, there were a lot of fans not happy with Cliff Kingsbury, not happy with Steve Kime, and and obviously, I think the Kingsbury stuff has led up a little bit because you're four zero. I don't hear a lot about Steve Kime, and I understand why people are were upset with him. I understand some of the things. I understand Andy Isabel and DK Metcalf, et cetera, et cetera. But this roster was put together by Steve Kime. We we already just talked about these secondary guys who might be turning out. It's early with some of them. I get it. I'm not sitting here saying they're all going to the Hall of Fame or it's the best secondary ever, but they're all draft picks. You, you mentioned the fact they brought in some of these guys like A.J. Green or Rodney Hudson. You know, Kyler Murray was going to have a natural progression, and let's not get any of this confused. If Kyler Murray isn't the guy that you wanted as the number one overall pick and he doesn't make the, the natural franchise quarterback progressions, the rest of this doesn't mean crap. They're not a good team. So, Kyler, it starts with Kyler, but – if Steve, I feel like all these people that that wanted to change a GM, I, I, like, I know we got the rest of the season to go, and I'm sure things will turn ugly if things turn ugly, if you know what I mean. But I, I feel like the general manager deserves some kudos here right now because you don't get here without uh, without the roster they have, and I and I'm sure people are gonna trash me after hearing this, but. <laughs> It is what it is. Hey, a couple weeks ago, on Cardinals in Focus, our, our weekly magazine show on 12 News, uh, I looked into the crystal football, and I just said, you know, this has the feel, this has the makings of the 2015 offense. 
that led the NFL, that set team records. I looked it up for points and touchdown that passes, was a good offense, Paul. net yards, first downs. That's where this offense is tracking. Number one in points, number two in total offense right now after four games. You've gone against some pretty stout defenses so far. It's a def- it's an offense that, with the evolution of A.J. Green, and Cliff Kingsbury said again this week on his TV show, he said, yeah, the first week or two, he just wasn't totally comfortable yet. Now he truly is playing and not thinking. And A.J. Green at 6'4", it's the old Larry edict. If he's single-covered, he's open. Throw it to him. And then if DeAndre Hopkins is going to be single-covered at times, obviously you throw it his way. And then I'll tell you this much, when – you see the name Max Williams on here, and he's having a career year already a month in. And when Cliff Kingsbury had the gall to dial up a play call that what he told us he's never called before in his three years as the Cardinals head coach, tight end screen, and there it is to Max Such Williams. Such a great call, though. And he's rumbling down. And I'll tell you, I mean, yard for yard, pound for pound, the sideline enjoyed that play call more than any. And in the postgame radio, Max Williams said that the fellows were giving him a hard time in the locker room because he should have scored. And I'm like, you know what? Those are the same guys who would never, ever block a defensive end. you got to catch and you got to block, and they're giving you a hard time for not housing that and finishing that play. So, yeah, it's a tough crowd in the locker room. Paul, um, did Ron finally admit that Kyler Murray is a, is a franchise quarterback? That's you the know, only thing that came to my wait, mind wait, after Ron, that game. See, this is where Felipe throws me off every time. Ron, Jim, who Matthew. are these people? <laughs> You mean Wolf? <laughs> yeah, Wolf. You mean sorry. Omo? Sorry, Come on, yeah. you're, you're confusing me. Ron Wolfie. I was ready for him to say, I, you, th- you say Ron, I think of like a state farm agent. Yeah, I was like, who's Ron? <laughs> oh, Wolf. Yeah, Wolf. It's, you it's know a, what, though? It's a respect That's, that's thing, a good, yeah, I understand. You, you it's a respect you thing, you I was going to hit him over the head with that in the pregame show that's in Jacksonville. Question, Not only did I forget in Jacksonville, I then forgot in L.A. I actually meant to ask him that question each of the last two weeks. Wolf, are you ready to admit and or concede that Kyler, anoint, crown, whatever the verb you want to use, he is a franchise quarterback, well, period. We, we know where, where Kyle stood on all that since the day he walked in the door, so maybe we should just have Kyle tweet at Wolf Lake. <laughs> I told you so. Uh, hey. You're three years late, big guy. Who, who, who was the guy who was going with the future of football tick-tock true. in February before the draft yeah, itself? Come on now. That's also true. But okay. I also kind of feel like you're all about the, the, the slogan sometimes. <laughs> I see. We, I'm we, just going. We, we can talk about I, Andy, if you want, Felipe. <laughs> you would mean you, but would you instead guys... of beat L.A., beat down L.A.? <laughs> Please go, Felipe. <laughs> Save me. I was just going to say, do you guys think that that was uh, like it was Cliff Kingsbury's best game as a uh, as a play caller? But would you guys would you guys go as far to say it was Kyler Murray's best game as a quarterback on the center? I mean, no interceptions after having at least one in the first three games. I mean, he was picking apart that defense that. I mean, heading into the season, a lot of people said it was the best defense in the NFL. You saw what they did to the Bucks in week three, but just, I mean, the third and 16 run, the third and 14 run, I, yeah. and then everything he did from the pocket. I will I will say this. Number one, statistically, the Rams still have great personnel, but they came into the game 20th, I think, in total defense. So yes. it's not like they've been playing like they were last year. That, that doesn't mm-hmm. excuse anything. I'm just saying that they, they just weren't at that level statistically. They're still very scary. The fact Aaron Donald was was basically, I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud, uh, a non-factor uh, <laughs> in a lot of ways, especially after they made whatever adjustments they had to at the beginning of the game uh, in terms of protection. But um, Yeah, there were it, a lot of combo blocks yeah, on 99. Yeah. Um, well, you, we're not going to be stupid. It's not like Aaron Donald isn't great. You just figure out a way right. to – 
to neutralize him a little bit. Although Leonard Young, wow, he was eating in the first yes. half. Then they had to figure Leonard that out Floyd. at halftime. Leonard Floyd, I'm sorry, Leonard Floyd. Leonard yes, Young 54. Was a cornerback for the Cardinals once upon a time, maybe? All I know is 54 yeah, was yeah. in the backfield that repeatedly. Was, it was ugly. But, but going back to your original question, here's, here's what I thought, Felipe, of Kyler Murray in that game. I, I, I kind of see bits and pieces of it, and I wanted to see what happened the first possession of the second half after those first three games throwing the picks. But I will say this, and I tweeted this during the game, his numbers were fantastic. But it was the way he was handling himself uh, pre-snap and in the huddle and at the line. I felt I felt like that game was the first game where they had, and I won't use the bad word, even though we're just podcasting, where they ha- the offense totally had their stuff together. Mm. There w- there was no like calling timeouts because you're not having the right personnel. I felt like the way he looked pre-snap just comfortable with what I'm about to do which is kind of an intangible I thought that gave off as much of a vibe as anything he actually performed then you throw in all the other stuff the incredible Kyler stuff the running for the first down the crazy sidearm pass to Rondale Moore on on third and 14 when it looked like he was going to run and then stays behind the line of scrimmage it was exquisite in so many ways and I, and I that's why I feel like that was at this point the apex game for Kyler Murray because I just felt the whole vibe that he delivered including who he was playing against and and making the right decisions and not taking any cliff talks about protecting the ball there were no stupid decisions everything he and everything he did was intelligent. And I, I, you know, not that he's not an intelligent player, but he made all the intelligent decisions. I just, that's that's the one I put up in, uh, on the scoreboard as his best because of all that. You had me at the word exquisite. That's like there a Food you. Network word right there. You know, exquisite. Chef's kiss. Yeah. You know, divine, something like that. It's, but, you know, you, by the way, can I just say something on that? Rondale Moore, where he caught it in the right flat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and made Jalen Ramsey miss in space. That was another moment where the Cardinals sideline thoroughly enjoyed it because number five had been mouthing off to the Cardinals sideline most of the game. And you know what? He'd been backing it up. Yeah. And at that moment, he got schooled in space by Rondell Moore, and the entire Cardinals sideline lit up and let him hear about it. And uh, he was you, you could see the steam coming out the ear holes of his helmet. He was fuming at that point, Jalen Ramsey, who, who's a heck he, of a player. There's no was, doubt about it. He was it. not one-on-one with Hop all the time. When he was, <laughs> it was tough sledding for Hop. Yes. But like I said earlier, the car, whether, whether it was the Rams moving Ramsey around or where they were doing with Hopkins, and we actually saw Hopkins on the right side a couple times. They had him open enough. Like, for all the good that Ramsey did against Hopkins, and I noticed in some of the nitty-gritty times, Ramsey's like, I got the – when they got down near the goal line when uh, on that one sequence where I think they had kicked a field goal uh, down on our end of the field – and they were close, and it was after the penalty that got him the first down. I think maybe at the end of the first half, Ramsey went right over to Hopkins. It, it was all over. Ramsey, it, we were near the goal line. Ramsey was going to jam him, and, and D-Hop didn't have a whole lot of chance there. I just think it comes down to, you know, Kyler Murray's always been a winner. And one of my friends always tells me, you know, winners win. Stars are going to play like stars. And heading into that week, I said it on this pos- podcast, I mean, for the Cardinals to come out of a with the victory in L.A., your biggest star 
Kyler Murray was going to have to play like a star, and he did. I mean, guess we gotta no, give Felipe more credit. Exactly. That's honestly my only pitch. This is the only reason I say these things, just so I can hear <laughs> Paul or Darren say, "You know what? You're right. You did say this." Kind of like in, during the during training camp when Anton Wesley made the team. I think that's the first time uh, you said, "You know what? You were right." But <laughs> at the end of the day, I mean, Kyler Murray was gonna have to play like a superstar. He's keeping score, by the way. I trust exactly. you. I, I think this is the third time yeah. I'm three and zero. You know. I'm, I'm imagining the little tally at home on his wall. <laughs> but he, he had to play like a star, and he did. I think we're at a point in these first four weeks where one can make the argument that Kyler Murray is a top three quarterback in the NFL. He's in, he's in that category with Aaron Rodgers, with Tom Brady. Now, what is he going to do in the second half of the season compared to last year? That's ultimately going to decide if he is considered one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL because – if in the second half of the season he continues to, to play this way and he adapts to defenses, because we saw that last year, defenses adapted to him scrambling and running out of the pocket. And if, if he manages to adapt and continues to be consistent in the pocket, I mean, there's no reason why he doesn't come out of the season being the MVP. We, I mean, we can't even say... We, we, we're not, we can't talk about halfway through the season. We're not even a quarter of the way through the season. We have to have the discussion after the first quarter Sunday, <laughs> and then we'll be through a I quarter see. of the season. <laughs> I see. You're going to give your quarter awards after the first quarter on Sunday. Well, Is that we're going to have to do? start dicing up these games because 17 right. games – because I mean, all of a sudden we have that one extra game we got to throw in there, right? Because there's a lot of you know NFL uh, so content s- providers who do the quarter poll awards, exactly. So, so those are going to come out. So what the second, right. the, the 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 first half of the season is actually yeah. going to end after what halftime right. of see hashtag no math. That's yeah, what we just. Exactly. But once again, your point on DeAndre Hopkins moving to the right side, which we saw once in Jacksonville. Don't quote me on that. If that was the only time, yeah. I believe it was once in Jacksonville. And we all reacted, hey, look, you know, look at that, kids. Big Ben. You know, no, there, there's D-Hop, and, and, and he's over on the That's right side. That's a great reference. Right I mean, honestly, it's uh, – and, and there he is. So now here's my question because I'm trying to figure out the answer to the mystery that we referenced earlier. Why did Kyler Murray refer to this as the best game plan since he's been in the league? Well, I'll throw out a theory, conspiracy theory. You know I'm good for these. A couple of weeks earlier – when D-Hop had been contained after a pretty robust first quarter, I think it was Minnesota, right? Right. He came out and said, well, we have to move D-Hop around. He did say that. So now because D-Hop is getting moved around, is he putting one and one together? That equals why he's calling it the best game plan? Is that his tacit approval? Thumbs up, double thumbs up. This is the best game plan since I've been here because D-Hop is now moving around a little bit, a little bit. I'm just trying to figure out why. How? What? What makes him proclaim this the best game plan? There's a. I somebody asked me that question this week. They're like, we're glad the reporters noticed that he said best game plan and asked him about it, even though he wouldn't say why. I mean, look, what's a game plan? There's two parts to a game plan. There's the actual plays that you write up that you have in your plan to use at some point, and then the other part is the philosophy you're having coming into the game, and. You know, was it to move hop around? Maybe part of that was it. Maybe it was we want to beat on this defensive line enough early in the game that we can do something. Because, of course, Kyler is saying this after the fact. Maybe that 94-yard rushing drive played into it. Who knows? The, the third part of a game plan working, 
there's got to be execution. You could think you have the game plan, the best game plan in the world. If Kyler comes out and throws three interceptions, he's not going to say, well, that was the best game plan in the world. I just threw three interceptions. He's just not going to say we had a great game plan. So I, I, it's, I, I think some of it is just what they wanted to do coming together maybe is why it was the best game plan. Now, maybe the hot part is part of it, but you go back and look at that, guys. I mean, is there was there a part of the game when you were all said and done for real and not like picking at a scab <laughs> that you would look at that game and say, yeah, I didn't really like that part of their game? Nope. Well, there was the Carolina game plan last year when they seemed to go laterally. Well, that's true. More than vertically. Where even that would have not been a good game. Where even Paulie Pencilneck, never played past high school, high school, could sit there and say, yeah, I'm not so sure about this strategy. Right against this defense. That that was maybe the only instance I can think of immediately. Uh, as I correct the quote, by the way, the Chevy Chase quote from European Vacation was, look, kids, Big Ben, Parliament. I forgot the Parliament side of that. So that was, you know. Did you so look that, that up? Or did, did yeah, I just Googled that oh, up real see, that, quick. Just that to feels see. like something Oma would so, send you, know, you a text. No, no, I, I looked it up myself because <laughs> that was bugging me. I knew that was a, a, was a partial quote right there. So I couldn't. Uh, I was giving you all the credit by, in the world, Paul. So By the way, uh, didn't Larry Fitzgerald, the newest NFL analyst, have something to say? He did. About Kyler's play. And it's what some other guys have cited as well, just his ability to make the checks at the line. Wasn't that just of what Larry said? And he getting the Cardinals into the right plays, run well, plays versus pass plays. He's starting plays to miss it. He's uh, starting to miss it. And, and check it. Other, other than saying that Kyler Murray is the front runner for MVP, which is what Ooh. Fitz said. But, Ooh. yeah, I mean, he, he did say those things. It, it, it's funny when you talk about checking plays and being comfortable. Uh, I was talking to uh, Justin Pugh this week, and uh, I was talking to him about the Chase Edmonds play, and which was third and seven. It was third and seven, and, and they're deep in their own territory. And they're deep in their own territory, and the Cardinals called a, a pass, and the Rams were playing pass, and Kyler noticed it, and wow kind of made eye contact with chase and checked out of it to the run and there you could drive a mac truck through that absolutely hole. so i mean when you talk about icing a game when you talk about what you were saying before felipe about kyler's maturity and leadership and how he's handling things third and seven chance to ice the game if you can get a couple of first downs, but you're sitting at your own four-yard line at third and seven. It wasn't just third and seven. It was at your own four-yard line, third and seven. And you have the stones to check in to a run, knowing if you don't get the first down, you're punting, and they're going to get the ball around midfield. And you recognize it enough that it breaks for a 54-yard run. I mean, that's that's just smart quarterbacking by a smart quarterback. So he made the check down, and he called it the best game plan. So well, again, that makes sense. When you talk about game plan, and see, this is why the game plan thing is so funky to me, is because when you say we had a great game plan, there, there's a vagueness to it mm -hmm. for me. I mean, you can't. There, you don't go into a game. There, there's too many moving parts. You don't go into a game saying, on the first play we're calling this, on the second play we're calling this, and when we get to the fourth quarter, on the forty-second play we're calling this. It doesn't work that way. So a game plan is is got vagueness to it. Based on how the game goes, based I mean, if it, it was a three-point game at that point, do things change? Do the Rams change it? Is moment? You know, there's all these things. So when he says we had the best game plan ever, it's a very overarching type of thing that I think comes down to, in a lot of ways, calling plays that put your guys in the best positions, cliches, all that, but the guys executing it. 
if AJ Green doesn't catch that bomb, everybody's like, well, why didn't you throw to D Hop? Which I saw a film. I think Peter Schrager broke down the play again on the all 22, looking at the Cardinals, uh, you know, towards Kyler Murray. And he had DeAndre Hopkins wide open for a first down on that play. Wide open. Wow. And he took the shot and he took the shot downfield. If, Mm. if AJ green doesn't make that catch, everybody's like, what are we doing? Why are you know, why are you not picking up first downs? So execution plays a huge part in this whole great game plan thing. That's just my opinion. Here's my other. Here's my other contention why Kyler thinks this is the best game plan ever. Number one, they're moving D-hop around to his liking. Number two, only one designed run for Kyler, according to Chase Edmonds. That's what Chase Edmonds said after the game. I'm agreeing with this one with you. And and Kyler's not a big fan of the design runs. He's made that clear from the get-go, from his rookie year, that he does feel like his legs, quote, should be a luxury. And – to me, and Chase I've said called that, him a bonus. His I, legs right. are going to be a bonus. And I've said this repeatedly. Yes, I agree. That's where this offense is at its most lethal. When you have a balanced offense like you did in L.A., plus that third dimension of Kyler's legs, he can pull it and run it all third and 16 when he runs for 18 and he breaks the back of a defense. That's the third rail. That's the third dimension. That's what makes them a potential number one offense in this league. And maybe that's another concrete reason why Kyler called it the best game plan since he's been in the league. It's it's just a complete cheat code. I think he finally figured it out, right? Once you become patient in the pocket and you're effective from there, now everything kind of opens up for for that offense. As a defense, I mean, you think you have this offense on, you know, against the wall and then it's 30 and 16 and your quarterback just scrambles for 18 yards. Their quarterback just scrambles for 18 yards. I mean, how do you contain that? And I think that's the biggest difference between him and guys like Lamar Jackson, Michael Vick in his time, Cam Newton to an extent. To them, their legs were the go-to, right? There is a bunch of design runs. There is a bunch of design runs for Lamar Jackson. And it's the opposite for Kyler Murray. That's why it kind of, you know, it annoys me to an extent when a lot of these national experts or anyone that talks about Kyler Murray, they always, always mention how he's so dangerous with his legs without realizing that a lot of the times it's not even by design. It's just him improvising. And they leave out the fact that, again, yeah, they are the top offense, but they're also one of the top passing offenses in the NFL he has one of the top completion percentages in the NFL and they leave out that aspect and that's why I think he separates himself himself from guys like Lamar Jackson Daniel Jones to an extent as well Cam Newton Michael Vick I think he's in a different league there's like they say there's levels to this I mean when you can be just as effective on the ground then you you can be uh, through the air that's levels that's Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm teaching you guys something new. Yeah, that was to this. Or you're, or you're, or, <laughs> or you're just channeling your inner Cosmo Kramer. But who is that? I see. That's what I'm who saying. Is like, see, well, who is that? Everything okay. old comes around again. I, I was gonna say I 100% agree with you on the running thing mm-hmm. with Kyler. I do think he loves the fact that okay, I'm gonna scramble. I'm not gonna not run. But I don't want any of these design runs unless it's right on the goal line, mm-hmm. like a a boot or something like that. I mean. The Cardinals had, what, 170 yards rushing between Connor and Chase Edmonds? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right I about mean, there. I mean. 216 total. 216 total. That's not the area code in L.A. That's the Cardinals rushing I mean, total. 216. I think Connor had 50 and two touchdowns. I think Chase Edmonds had 120. I think 
if you're getting 170 rushing yards and you're not even including what Kyler did. And again, that you don't want to take that away. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw Ohms sent around the uh, the video of the the dude in L.A. taking the picture of or taking the video of that third and eighteen or third and sixteen scramble for eighteen yards right down that sideline. You hell you have a couple of Rams fans yelling out f bombs as he breaks away because mm-hmm. the crowd goes all crazy. He's right. going to get trapped, and then you realize oh we're screwed. And by the way, quick aside, DeAndre Hopkins fantabulous blocking downfield to keep the defensive back from coming up and letting Kyler easily get in there by beating the linebackers. There was a DB who could have come up, and DeAndre Hopkins was not letting him pass. So props to DeAndre Hopkins on that blocking. Um, but I did not see that. That's great. And I like the use of the word fantabulous. Yes. That's right up there with there you go. splendicular. There you go. Ubiquitous. So, I mean, I, I think I, I think that part of it is such a huge thing, and, and I, I can't get past – Again, the original point, Paul, which is Kyler does not – he does not want to be known as running quarterback. He doesn't want to run. He's He will run. He I, See, I don't even like saying he'll run. He will scramble. Mm-hmm. He wants to be able to scramble if there's a broken play, but I don't think he really wants to run run. But for everything the Cardinals did, if you went into the locker room and started talking to guys, and I'm curious, did Justin Pugh stare you down and say, where's a mention of the run game? at azcardinals.com because I tell you what, that's where a lot of those guys on both sides of the ball would start because nothing makes a statement in the NFL like the pound game, which is what the old linemen call it, the pound game. We're going to run it. What are you going to do about it? We're going to run it again and again, and you're going to know it's coming, and you're not going to be able to stop it. And that's what the Cardinals did in the second half. To be fair – I don't. I'll let you. Oh, I, no, I know no, I'm dominating much. the conversation right now, yeah. Felipe. So I apologize. I, I'm the, I'm the rookie. You know, I, um, I respect my my vets. But I was going to say, you said Justin. I in talking to Justin Pugh, he had every opportunity there to mention that to me, and he didn't. So props okay. to him. Now, <laughs> now we were in a press conference early, a couple weeks ago where a unfortunate media member decided to just ask a general question about the run game being better this year than it, w- it really wasn't that good last year, something like that. And Justin Pugh took an exception to that mm-hmm. and and kind of like pushed back a little bit, yeah. much to the chagrin of the person that asked the question. But Justin was perfectly uh, nice to me in a- answering great questions. And the other problem, too, is on the sideline in the locker room, they might have been very hype with the pound game. You ask them now after the fact, they're going to be very careful. they got to play the Rams again this season. They're not yeah. going to come out and say, oh, yeah, we kicked their ass up and down the field. That's not going to happen. I think everyone outside of the team, all the fans and whatnot, I think they're the ones that are excited because did you guys hear what Kyler Murray said in his press conference when they asked him about, I think they asked him about having a monkey on his back or whatnot, yeah. and he said, Something along the lines of, this isn't the Super Bowl, you know, we're just going to move like on. And it's just, you know, I understand why a lot of people were hyped about that win because obviously the cards are 8 and 0 when they face McVeigh leading up to week 4. And oh, 0 and 8. 0 and 8? Yeah, you, it, the, you said the cards were 8 and 0. The cards oh, really? Most no. definitely not 8 and 0. You read my mind. <laughs> <laughs> 0 and 8 or whatever. Yeah. 0 and 8. 8 game against, losing streak. 8 game losing streak it's against, against McVeigh. But the fact that Kyler recognized that this. This was just another game. But what I liked in the second half, I went back uh, and I made a tally of how many times Kyler Murray threw the ball in the second half. And I honestly, I, I'm confident in this number. He threw the ball eight times in the second half. And in that final scoring drive, that James Conner's second touchdown, 
they ran the ball by design 10 times and that, and I believe Kyler scrambled on t on two of those 12 plays so as an offensive lineman I, I asked Orlando Cantu ex Arizona Cardinals offensive lineman you know what was your favorite part about being an offensive lineman he just said you know running the ball because at that point you don't have to contain any defensive lineman uh, protecting the quarterback or whatnot you, know, you just do your job and yep. the the rest of it comes with it so that run game I think if you're able to establish that that in my opinion, that's the biggest difference this year, just being dominant on the ground. Because to me, if you're Raheem Morris, the Rams defensive coordinator, and you're driving home and you're stuck in traffic, yes, even on a Sunday on the 101 or the 405 and you're stuck in traffic, you're muttering to yourself, 216. There's only so much you can do on God's green earth about Kyler Murray and him scrambling. There's only so much you can do. But I've got a defense that was number one in total D a year ago. I have Aaron Donald, and we just gave up 216. And Kyler really wasn't a factor in the run game. It was Chase Edmonds. It was James Conner. It was two more rushing touchdowns for James Conner with a couple more angry runs filling up an NFL network again. How about that Chase Edmonds spin and stiff arm at the same time? That was pretty He nice. wants one of those T-shirts. He sees James Conner with one of those angry run T-shirts. He wants one of his own. I bet you've asked him. He'd say, yeah, I, I, we got to ask him that coming up. So, to me, that's where you do set a tone in the game. And that's the kind of thing you can rely on. That's back in the day when the Cardinals would go up to Seattle and B.A. would go 22 or 23 double two yeah. dozen times. And that's how they would control Russell Wilson. So if you have the ability to throw it, your quarterback has the ability to run it, you have the ability to line up and run it whether they like it or not. Um, and you're going with three tight end sets. You're going with empty five wide receiver sets, anything and everything in between. Now you're working in a tight end screen. I mean, if you're the 49ers right now, you're trying to get a tendency. Once again, and that's where I threw this stat. Okay, the stat want all these guys with between 15 and 20 catches, and there's a half dozen of them. Tendencies. What does the defensive coordinator look at? And Cliff mm, Kingsbury goes, tendencies. That's a great point. And I'm trying to scout this team. Who's their go to guy? Good luck. And so. It's sort of what I would say right now to the people running some of the power poles as we transition here on the Pacific Office Automation, sponsor Cardinals Underground, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Sports Illustrated should not be proud of their power rankings. Can we just say that right now? I mean, let me get this straight. You guys stop me when I'm wrong. The Sports Illustrated power pole that I'm looking at right here is either so inept or, or maybe it's corrupt. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's done on purpose for clicks. I don't know how it works behind the scenes. Darren, you tell me in the website world. Maybe this was actually printed in Sports Illustrated, the hard copy, the printed magazine, and it was actually filed before the game was ever played. Uh, maybe that's the only rational explanation to have the Rams, who got dominated, still number one. That's... Even though the team that trounced them is the only undefeated team in the NFL and took out another Super Bowl contender in week one. And then the team the Rams beat the week before is still number two <laughs> ahead of the Cardinals. But the team that beat the Rams is somehow below both the Rams and the Bucks. I mean, I... Did you know who John McEnroe was, Felipe, before the Venus Williams commercial? Did you see the John McEnroe cameo in the Venus Williams TV commercial, whatever that is? He's and he's a, in the white tennis outfit. The Serena Williams. And he has this. Yeah, and yeah. he has the spillage. I don't know who he is, him. but I, I know who you're talking about. Right, and he goes, and he goes, <laughs> and, 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 and yeah, yeah. I've seen that commercial. I know who he is. His <laughs> famous line, because he would go on rants, and he would, you know, he, he had this anger issue, right, and playing tennis, and he'd go on a yeah, rant to the right to here, the judge, <laughs> and he would say, you know, you cannot be serious. 
well, how can you look at this power pole and not go into some sort of John McEnroe rant? I mean, come on now. You cannot be serious. Side note, I love how you came to me to make sure that I knew who this tennis player. <laughs> I honestly don't know, but it just – it's flattering to me that you double check with me first to make sure. You don't sure know that Venus I, Williams or no, Serena no, Williams? Serena, Serena? I know the Williams okay. sisters, but I just didn't know the, the yeah. guy that you mentioned at the beginning of that, <laughs> no. of that commercial. But no. uh, do you guys think it's a, a market thing? You know, you have. About the power rankings? Uh, the power rankings. I, I, mean, I don't a, know. I don't because, like, the, can, the woman who does the Sports Illustrated power rankings, she's covered the NFL for a number of years and she's a good reporter. Um, I'm, I was surprised at that, but what, what's the upside, what's the upside for having it be, what's the upside of having a credible power pole? Is that what you're no, asking? No, 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 no. What's, what's, <laughs> what's the upside of, of market being the part of the power rankings? I just feel like, I mean, even after that, oh, week market win, size, is that what you're saying? Oh, I thought you were yeah. saying marketing. You're saying the no, market, market size, size. Or yeah, just like I, the, the market aspect of, no, uh, I don't, I don't think that's, a, that's I don't think that's impacting the power polls. I, I think ultimately it comes down to people are having a hard time really believing stuff. I, I don't, I, I can't. What but, is it hard to believe though? I mean, well, you, you I, you're not going to get an argument from me. I mean, ultimately I would think that, um, I would understand if somebody doesn't want to put the Cardinals number one. I do not understand how you would have the Rams above the Cardinals at this point. After beating them in L.A. I mean, the Cardinals have a better record, and they just yeah. beat them head-to-head. I'm sorry. Convincingly, I, I'm not really yeah. sure how you would do that. Well, Please, don't don't look at me for an exclamation. I'm the guy who's <laughs> contending. It's no comprendo through and through. I mean, I have I no idea. It's I, incomprehensible. What's more impressive is three of those four games are, are on the road, you know? You start yeah, off the yes. season against a – for the most part, a healthy Titans team, and you, you know, demolish them I mean, on the road, and then you travel to L.A. and you demolish them in I mean, L.A. It's not like you pulled out a cheap win on a Hail Mary. Yeah. You know, if you wanted to say, okay, after the Cardinals beat the Bills last year, year and the Hail Murray, and what exactly are the Cardinals all about? I get it. That's why I said market market size is probably a thing because I mean, just in general, across sports, I mean, who were, who was really talking about the Suns last year? No one. No. I mean, just I just think it comes back to that. Not that many people necessarily tune in to, you know, the Cardinals maybe, no. even at a national scale. I mean, you don't necessarily see them talking about them up to week four, obviously, after that impressive victory. For but. me, okay, they they did get this win. That's great. If they win this week, I mean, it, it's going to build on itself. We're four games into the season. You know, if you continue to play really good football, I promise you by midseason, everybody's going to be talking about the Cardinals all the time. And I I do think there's a little bit of 2020 hangover mm-hmm. with some of this because they were five and two and six and three at one point last year and they fell off the face of the earth and you're gonna have to get back people in terms of some of it I I believe this is a completely different kind of team but I understand why people would be hesitant to to say that it, it's it's the old uh, axiom about how uh, guys don't make the Pro Bowl the first year they should, and they usually make the one more Pro Bowl than they should on the back end because people are yeah. no money. It's just like why people still think the Steelers could be a good team even though they're not. <laughs> no, no. Somebody put together a montage of the missed receivers by Big Ben. Did you see that? Oh my goodness, is he playing horrendous football right now? And you're probably right, Darren. That's probably the most plausible explanation 
you can get. Based on the taste the Cardinals left in everyone's mouth at the end of last year, losing five of the last seven, people are refusing to believe. That's probably the best explanation because, honestly, it got worse. This writer, I'm looking at it right now, the writer goes on to explain. Is this Sports Illustrated? This Sports Illustrated. The writer explains or cites, cites the Seahawks start last year that it reminds this writer of the Seahawks start last year and how they flamed out. Well, here's the difference, and it's a significant difference. The Seahawks had a bad defense, a historically bad defense. The Cardinals don't have anything near the terrible defense the Seahawks had a year ago. So you got to separate. you got to separate the apple from the orange in this one and stop grouping them together. I, you know. And besides, when you get in – let me tell you, at this point, here's the stat on the NFC West as the Cardinals get ready for the 49ers – it's the fourth straight season in which the NFC West team, an NFC West team is the last undefeated team in the conference. Wow. Four straight and four straight years, it's the NFC West that has had the last undefeated team in the conference, and it's been a different team all that's four years. That's that that's the amazing That's part. remarkable. Remarkable. It shows you the depth and what's going on in the division. So look, you're gonna be playoff ready. By the end of Game 17, if you get through this division, you get into the playoffs, and you stay healthy, you will be postseason ready. There's no doubt about it. I think the key is to take care of your divisional rivals at home. I think that's going to be the key for the Arizona Cardinals because, um, I mean, to be honest, the division has three of the best ten quarterbacks in the NFL. You still have that 49ers defense and Kyle Shanahan and the way he likes to call games. So if they're able to, you know, sneak in some wins on the road against maybe the Seahawks like they did last year. Um, did they? Not last no, year. Not last year. The year before. The year before. Uh, if you're able to control your own destiny at home at least, take care of business of your you know, divisional rivals at home and maybe get two wins on the road, I think that's ultimately going to, you know, impact – you know, playoffs or seeding, maybe it's a difference between whether you win the division or you're a wild card team. Obviously, this year is going to be an extra wild card team. So uh, those divisional games at home are going to be crucial. Uh, they they haven't had, you mentioned the 2015 team earlier, they haven't had a winning record at home since 2015. So Wow. Uh, wow. I did not realize or that. Or maybe it was 2016. It might be 2016 because they tied that year. So I think it might have been 2016. But still. Not having a winning record in the division when you're trying to win the division, that that yeah. that's rough. And, you know, I, I, you look at the schedule the rest of the way, and this is going back to the original thing you were talking about, Felipe, and, or actually Paul brought up. You, would, you batted him back quite nicely with the newspaper. But uh, <laughs> not talking about the, uh, the, the Super Bowl and, and where they might be in the playoffs and all that. I mean, they still have five division games, and we already know how hard that is. They have a game against the Packers, home, but a game against the Packers. They have a game against the Panthers. Mm. Uh, the Browns are coming up around They're the corner. They're going to the Browns. They have to go to Dallas. Dallas. I mean, there are still a hell of a lot of good teams that they have on their schedule the rest of the way that could waylay this stuff. And so you've got to continue to play good football. You want to – Skip Bayless' hot take as we start to wrap up this edition of Cardinals oh, Underground. Lord. Based on what I've seen so far this season, through four games and four games only in the NFC, your NFC championship game, Dallas Cowboys at the Arizona Cardinals. Actually, let me flip that because the Cowboys division stinks and the Cardinals does not. So based on final record, home field advantage, Cardinals at Big D, NFC championship. 
That based on what I've seen, I've that, that, so would, far. that would that would put the Cardinals in Dallas twice in like a four week period <laughs> True. or whatever. Yeah, in three years too. Yeah. By the way, look at the NFC West. So the Cardinals just ended the eight-game skid against the Rams. Correct. You realize now the Seahawks have beaten the 49ers 14 of the last 16. I had heard that. While the Rams have been swept by the Niners the last two years. So there's all this interdivision streaks going on and teams just pounding on each other. It's this whole roundabout thing. But I'll leave you with this. I sincerely hope that Jimmy G – for the Cardinals' sake, is Jimmy IR for this game? Because do we remember what he did against the Cardinals in 2019? He had a pair of four-touchdown games against the Arizona Cardinals. But they handled them last year in the opener. In the opener. But that game, those two games in 2019 is enough for me to say I'd much rather see a rookie making his first career start than Jimmy G. That one game, he had over 400 yards passing and four touchdowns, and I vividly remember the only other quarterbacks to do that in 49ers history. Have you guys heard of Joe Montana and Steve Young? That's the kind of game Jimmy G had. That was not a defense Vance Joseph is going to be putting on his. (laughs) No. But but it's funny, and and I'm going to leave with this. Jimmy G's not playing this weekend. No, I don't think so. That was I feel like Kyle Shanahan came out Monday trying yep. to put the toothpaste back in the tube after Jimmy G basically ruined his potential uh subterfuge by saying, Yeah, I'm out for a couple weeks and Kyle's like, No, 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 he 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 could still play. I promise he could <laughs> still play. I promise. I'll leave you guys with this, since we're all leaving Something. Yes. It's, it's, it's going to be a Trent Sherfield revenge game, of course. I mean, Trent Sherfield. <laughs> Did you guys see that 76-yard bomb, though, that Trey Lance threw last week? No? Oh, yeah, the busted coverage one, Debo Samuel, just mm-hmm. wide open. Yeah. So you're not worried about anything regarding Trey Lance's skill set versus his Cardinals defense? Because well, I mean, they, they haven't faced a, a quarterback that's relatively mobile in Trey Lance. I don't yeah. know. Trevor Lawrence is pretty mobile. I mean, skill set, yes, but quarterbacking, no, not yet. I mean, based on what we've seen, his accuracy is suspect. Look, at I, best. I'm not rooting anything out. The 49ers came in here last year with like all third stringers, oh. including a quarterback, oh. and and beat this team. And and the Cardinals couldn't do anything offensively. And you still have to, you know, do some things offensively against a very good defense. But again, the way this offense is playing, I just shake my head. Uh, that game in Week 16 a year ago. Had all the urgency and intensity of a preseason game. I, a third-string quarterback, a third-string yeah. running back came in and dominated you. I mean, if you want a revenge game, all due respect to Mr. Trent Sherfield, you need to get <laughs> yeah. revenge for what the Niners did to you in your home building, knocking you out of the playoffs in Week 16 a year ago. I love the fact that while if they would have beat the Rams, they would have been in the playoffs last year, Cliff Kingsbury said the other day that it was the 49ers game that knocked them out of the playoffs because yep. that's absolutely true. Yeah. So, okay, let's see. Revenge Tour, you check the box on the Rams. The Niners are next. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury got Urban Meyer for all those college wins and the three we're national not championship about Urban Meyer rings. Right now, Paul. So, we're not talking about no, Urban Meyer. No. Uh, there was the Vikings win, the Pat P. Revenge game, right? Yeah, um, then there was Tennessee. Um, I'm stretching here. Let's see. Tennessee would be the Mike Vrabel revenge for what Mike Vrabel did against Cliff Kingsbury and Patriots camp. We haven't even gotten to the Texans game for J.J. Watt and DeAndre Hopkins. That's huge. And then uh, Cleveland, right, vengeance against Baker Mayfield for leaving Texas Tech and transferring out to Oklahoma. I mean, we need one of those revenge tour concert tees right now you can wear around with the whole Cardinal schedule on it. We can just bring every week on the podcast. We're reaching right now. Every game has a revenge angle to it. How about that? If you can't learn to reach, Felipe, you have no business on this podcast. <laughs> we reaching. Well, Trent Sherfield. <laughs>
You know what? I'm going to make like a Rams fan, and I'm out of here. I'm going to try and beat traffic. That'll do it for this edition of Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation.